be reading from uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. A very short passage. Uh, Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. But before we turn to God's word, let's first go to God once again in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the joy of this morning as we welcome new members, as we witness your action in baptism. And we ask as we turn our attention now to your word that you would be here with us. We ask that the spirit who inspired the writing of these words so many years ago would inspire our hearing today. That we might come to know who you are and who you were calling us to be as individuals and as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as the echoes of Scripture still hang in the air, we ask that you would help them to find their way into our minds, into our hearts, into our memories, into our lives, that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be, even as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. This is such a short passage. I read just three little verses, but it's a a very powerful passage. And I think it's a passage that has become and is perhaps becoming very important to our church. And I'll I'll explain why, and I, I think I can prove it. But first, let's take a second to to look at the passage itself. It's actually, uh, it appears so short and so simple, but it's actually quite complex. The the passage opens uh, with Matthew talking to us about these these children who are being brought to Jesus. And as much as Matthew says about these children who are being brought to Jesus, that he might uh, lay his hands on them and pray for them, Matthew actually leaves a lot more unsaid than said. In fact, there are, there are a lot of details Matthew just completely skips over. In fact, uh, Matthew doesn't tell us, uh, he doesn't tell us where these children are coming from. He doesn't tell us uh, whether they were from the nearby town or if they'd been following Jesus for quite some time. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us whether they've uh, followed from quite a distance. He just tells us that they've been brought to Jesus. And so as we find these children coming to Jesus, uh, we're not told where they come from. And if you want to find dad, he's going to the back right over there. Either way, you can go that way, you can go this way. Mom's over here and dad's over there. You're going to be fine any way you go. (laughs) Oh, is that what you're looking for? There it is. Perfect. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, that was just wonderful. So all these children are coming to Jesus. Matthew doesn't tell us where they come from. We don't know if they're from near, if they're from far. We don't know if they've been following Jesus for a long time. Matthew doesn't give us any details about where they come from. It's almost as if it doesn't matter. It's almost as if Matthew doesn't really care where they come from. It's almost as if the point of the story 
has nothing to do with where the children come from. And uh, as Matthew continues, and as he talks to us about these children, uh, you'll notice that he uses this very awkward passive construction, right? The the kind of writing you're told to avoid ever since you get to like junior high. He tells us that the children were being brought to Jesus, but he doesn't tell us who was bringing them. Uh, We don't know if uh, they were brought by their parents, it seems likely, or maybe their grandparents, or their older siblings, or other children, or their friends, or other followers of Christ. All we know is that someone has brought these children to Jesus. Matthew doesn't tell us who it was. It's almost as if it doesn't matter. It's almost as if Matthew doesn't really care who brought the children to Jesus. It's almost as if uh, whoever brought the children to Jesus is not the point of the passage. And as we read, we also don't know why these children are brought to Jesus. We're told they were brought to Jesus so that he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But we don't know why. We don't know if they were brought to Jesus so that uh, he could pray for healing or for blessing or for teaching or for some other reason altogether. Matthew does not tell us why these children were brought to Jesus. It's almost as if it doesn't matter to him. It's almost as if Matthew doesn't care. It's almost as if the reason these children were brought to Jesus is not the purpose of the passage. And as we finish reading about these children who are brought to Jesus, uh, Matthew then turns his attention to the disciples and to their response. And Matthew tells us that uh, when these children come to Jesus, the disciples spoke sternly to the people who brought them. Notice what he doesn't say. Matthew doesn't tell us what the disciples said. He doesn't give us a synopsis. He doesn't give us a summary. He doesn't give us a direct quotation. All he gives us is the tone of voice that they spoke sternly. It wasn't generous. It wasn't inviting. It wasn't welcoming. It was, it was stern. And so we, we don't know exactly what the disciples said, and we also don't know why they said it. Matthew doesn't tell us that the disciples were annoyed with the children or that the children were in the way or that the children were taking up too many resources or the children were uh, not exactly what the disciples would have preferred. Matthew doesn't tell us why the disciples spoke the way they spoke. He only tells us their tone of voice. It's as if their motivation doesn't matter. It's as if Matthew doesn't care why they spoke the way they spoke. It's as if that's not the purpose of the passage. And then Matthew's story continues, and he tells us that Jesus responded. And here's where things change. The tone of the story changes. And Jesus says to the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And for the first time in this little passage, we get a direct quotation. We get Jesus' exact words. Matthew gives us the details we have not received up until this moment. It's almost as if Matthew cares very much about this moment. It's almost as if this part really matters. It's almost as if this is the purpose of the passage. When Jesus speaks, he says, let the children come to me and do not stop them. It is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Now that last part, it is to such as these as the kingdom of heaven belongs. I'm looking at the clock. We don't have time for that one. That's a whole sermon series. Let's just look at that first half. 
Let the children come to me and do not stop them. Matthew didn't give any words or any quotations to any other characters in this passage, and yet he allows Jesus to speak here, and he allows Jesus to repeat himself. Notice, he says it twice. Let the children come to me and do not stop them. Jesus says twice how important it is for the children to come forward. He tells the disciples first what they are going to do. What you're going to do is let the children come to me. And then he tells the disciples what they're not going to do. What they're not going to do is stop the children. Jesus tells the disciples exactly what he expects them to do and not to do. And about the clearest language Jesus ever uses, he tells the disciples to let the children come forward. And when the disciples speak sternly to the people bringing the children— Jesus himself speaks sternly to the disciples. When the disciples try to stop the children, Jesus stops the disciples. When the disciples try to discipline the people bringing children to the Lord, Jesus disciplines the disciples. Matthew gives us this part of the story because this is the part of the story that matters. This is the point of the passage that the children are to be brought to Christ. Now, I think this is a very complex passage. And as I mentioned, I think this is a passage that has become very, very important to our congregation. Because over the last two weeks, maybe three, almost every single conversation I have had with anyone in this room has come back to this passage in one way or another. And being a pastor, I get to be part of all of these conversations I see them all together, but for you, you only see those, those, those instances or those, that one meeting or that one lunch or that one conversation. So I feel it's my responsibility to tell you that I have had this conversation for three weeks straight. I have heard you tell me how much we as a church want to obey this commandment. I have heard it in meetings over and over. Now, you would expect this in a children's education meeting, but I haven't gone to a children's education meeting this month. I heard this instead at a session meeting when we talked about how important all these baptisms have been. I heard it in in a a personnel meeting. I heard it in a nominating committee meeting where we talked about uh, selecting some some youth to be officers in our church. I heard it in a worship and music committee meeting. I heard it uh, from our stewardship committee. I I heard it uh, from virtually every meeting I have been to over the past two weeks, official and unofficial. I've also heard it over lunch with members and future members and officers and elders and children. I've heard it in hallways. I've heard it in boardrooms. I've heard it when we've talked about uh, what's happening in our sanctuary and what will happen next for our sanctuary task force. I've heard concern for the youngest members of our community as we've talked about things like endowments and budgets. I have heard from almost every conversation I've had over the last three weeks that our church wants to obey this commandment. And I don't know if you all realize, but we are all on the same page on this one. We are all of one mind. We want to do everything we can to obey this command. Now, the good news is we are all in agreement. The tricky thing is this is going to take some work. I mean, to to follow this command, it takes work. It means we have to think about the way we spend our time very carefully. And that means that you may have to get up a little bit early to come and teach Sunday school. You can do it. It's not that early. 
It means you may have to give up part of your summer to help uh, volunteer for vacation Bible school. It means you may have to miss uh, Sunday morning worship every once in a while to make sure that we have a children's church program. It means uh, we have to think about our time very carefully and we have to give our time to the youngest members of our community. If we want to obey this commandment, it's going to take our time. But it, it, also, takes, it also takes something else. It, it takes a difference in the way we understand worship. I mean, it means as we gather for worship, we need to have little bags at the ends of the pews so when children get antsy, they've got something to do. It means if a child walks in in the middle of the sermon to get a stuffed animal, we will clap when she gets it. It means if someone cries during a solo or a scripture reading or a sermon, we will not speak sternly, even if you want to, because the distraction will last for a moment, but your reaction will last forever. It means we will do everything we can as we think about worship to make sure that the youngest members of our congregation and our community are welcome in this place. It even means we need to think very carefully about the stuff around us. It means the way that that we treat this property and this facility is not primarily about what's comfortable for us, but what's comfortable for the youngest in our midst and what we can build to be sustainable for them in the future. It means that we need to hand these buildings and this property down to the next generation even better than our parents handed it down to us. It means as we make decisions about budgets and finance, we need to be thinking about the next generations. It even means we need to think about our money and how it will be spent after we're gone. A legacy gift will make an incredible difference to a children's ministry. It means we need to be thinking not only about what we would like or what we prefer, but about what will happen in the future and for the children who will come after us. If we want to take this commandment seriously, we have to think about how we spend our time, about what we do when we worship, and about how we treat these buildings and these these resources and this property. Because ultimately what we find as we read this passage is following Christ's command is not about where the children come from. It's not about whether they're part of this congregation or part of this community or if they've come from another part of town or another part of the country or another part of the world. It really has very little to do with where they've come from. That's not the point. It has very little to do with who brings them, whether it's members or parents or grandparents or friends. It has very little to do with why they've come here, whether they're coming to learn or to be blessed or because they need a safe place to go. That's not the point of this passage. It has nothing to do with what we would prefer or what makes us comfortable. That's not the point of this passage. It has nothing to do with whether you'd like to sleep those extra 15 minutes on a Sunday morning or whether you'd like to never miss what happens in our worship services. Your preference is not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is the command of our Savior who says, let the children come to me and do not stop them. This has become such an important passage for our church, and it might have something to do with what's happened right up here. Basically every Sunday for the last month. We've had baptisms scheduled every Sunday this month, and we've got more yet to come. And each time we celebrate a baptism, each time we witness God saying, I love you to one of the children in our church, we promise that we will obey this commandment. Maybe that's why we can't stop talking about this command to let the children come to Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. 
God loves us no matter what. No matter how big you are or how little you are. No matter how young you are or how old you are. No matter how well you're able to sit still through a sermon or how much you need to cry. Or if you drop your bottle or if you're not sure you're welcome here. God loves you no matter what and you are welcome here. This passage has become so important to our congregation as we seek to follow this command to let the children come to Christ and not to stop them. To obey it is going to take some work. But thankfully, this is not a congregation that has ever shied away from a little hard work. So let's obey the command and let the children come to Christ. Do not stop them. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.